AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Everybody's somebody's every day. Nobody's nothing. Oh, nobody. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Shapiro Wells. I'm having the pleasure of meeting right now with Jamie Calvin who is the executive producer of Somebody Podcast and also the director of the Invisible Institute in Chicago. We're sitting outside on a lovely patio 
just a stone's throw away from the University of Chicago campus to the north of us. And it's so noisy. And we're out here because of coronavirus, and we're trying to practice social distancing and safety. I've been sheltered in place for three months with six kids, so I'm a little cuckoo. But, <laughs> but you know, I would say that we've survived, and I've received so many compassionate letters. In the past couple of weeks, we have seen the death of George Floyd and how it has impacted everyone around the world and sparked um, a myriad of protests and some violence. And so uh, Jamie and I today are taking a moment just to to decompress. I have been hearing from people all over the country and internationally And my sense is that there's this hunger and craving people have for language, for a way of describing this moment so that they can find their place in it. Mm -hmm. I know for me, the thing that has just most occupied my thoughts is this extraordinary outpouring. We're now in the second week of civil resistance. Mm -hmm. Democracy is now in the streets it is. It definitely is. And and I've been glued to the TV almost 24 hours. I've had many sleepless nights because I'm, I'm wondering what, if this is going to last, is it going to translate to some type of legislation? Because I think it's just more than just protesting for George Floyd. This is for all the victims who have been uh, victims of police brutality, as well as also unsolved murders. I was telling people that it's an undercurrent that has risen up and it's overflowing at this point because they have been marginalized and disenfranchised in Chicago for so long. And so now you see them telling them enough is enough. And that's what we're seeing. This is not just about policing. I think what the pandemic has done to an extraordinary degree is kind of laid bare the fundamental underlying structures of inequality, Mm -hmm. racial inequality in the society. George Floyd is the face of it. Yes. But what the the sentiment, the power, the force, and as you said a moment ago, enough, Mm -hmm. enough, really seems to me to be speaking to these underlying conditions, these underlying pathologies. And I think about our work a lot in this context. You know, we're known as investigative reporters. And investigative reporters are seen as exposing what's hidden. But I actually don't think that's what our work is. Mm -hmm. I think our work is making visible what's in plain sight and not seen. Mm -hmm. And this moment feels like that's really what's happened, like a curtain has been pulled back. And we're all able to see the same thing. Mm Whether that lasts, as you say, is the big question. How it translates into meaningful change at Mm -hmm. a practical level, you know, that's, we don't know. Everybody was talking about the looters, 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 looters. I said, I don't care about the looters. And people were like, what do you think? Are you agreeing with the looting? No, I'm not. I'm saying you don't know their condition. You don't know why they have to go out there and loot. You don't know what they were, what they were, uh, what they were dealing with prior to this pandemic. 
of course they're going to loot because yeah. they're, it's survival mode. They're in survival mode. And that's what I was trying to get people to understand is that not that I agree with any looting or violence because I don't. But the fact is, is that our country has disenfranchised them and marginalized them far too long. And that's what they're crying out for help and for them to expose the inequities that are in this country. You know, I I completely agree. And I also think that one of the things that's happened as this pattern across the country of civil resistance has advanced over these days is that the looting, the provocateurs, and there are some, yes. are now being seen as a much more marginal phenomena. Yes. The main event is an extraordinary outpouring of citizens yes. asserting themselves at a time when our democracy is virtually in collapse. And I am a child of the 60s, <laughs> and I grew up inside the civil rights movement in this city on the South Side. And, you know, we have seen since the 70s um, the steady, inexorable uh, dismantling of the achievements of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm the gutting of the Voting Rights yes. Act, yes. the deepening of um, inequality and, um, and poverty in certain abandoned neighborhoods and, and parts of the society. So I think some of the reaction now is against that as well, you know, that we have tolerated, we have somehow accommodated ourselves in our lifetimes, yes. you, you and me, yes. in our lifetimes, this, this grotesque inequality in American mm -hmm. life has um, has happened. A normal. It's, it's, it became a norm it to It became us. the norm. It became the norm. Like it was acceptable that people yeah. didn't have access to high quality health care, food, jobs, e education. It became acceptable to the, to the masses. Yeah. And that's what it was showing to me that people were saying enough is enough. I am not going to take it anymore. So when you see all these people that are out in the street, and I'm, I'm very encouraged to see that the majority of the people I'm seeing out there are not black people. It is people yeah. of all races, creeds, and colors. A lot of young white folks that are out there protesting alongside the Black Lives Matter uh, groups because they get it. And they're trying to transform this country. And then... We have to deal with what we have in the White House. I don't know if you know this, but I, early in my career, I spent a number of years finishing a book on the First Amendment that mm. my father, had, who was a law professor, yes. had been working on when he died. And he left an unfinished manuscript. The title of the book, which and I titled it, is A Worthy Tradition, Freedom mm. of Speech in America. Central to the book is the idea that the First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of association, are something more in America than just a body of law, than a group of legal precedents. There's really a tradition of the society, of freedom-loving people. Mm -hmm. And it's at times like this that we realize that it's, it's us as mm -hmm. individual citizens. It's the, you know, rainbow coalitions of yes. people in yes. the street right now mm -hmm. who are the fundamental guardians of our, our constitutional freedoms and our democracy. Mm -hmm. yes. And... You know, as we live out this kind of nightmare at the federal level, this is the most encouraging moment. I mean, I, I feel amid all the hardship, amid, you know, all the heartbreaking occasions, mm -hmm. George Floyd and the countless names we can right. recite, including Courtney Copeland, that despite all that, I am so happy to be alive at this moment. Yes. 
Yes, I agree, Jamie. I just think that that's why it's so important that we encourage the young people who are out there protesting to go out there and register to vote and to make sure they get to the polls in November. Because that translates into uh, a a legislative agenda that we can push that is progressive, that protects these laws. And so I just think that, you know, we have to begin to also to um, turn this pain that we're in right now into a purpose. And I always say that because that's what I've tried to do with Courtney's podcast, with Courtney's life. And how can I change what I'm feeling that's very painful into something meaningful, not only for myself, but for everyone? And I think the thing about a crisis, profound and immediate dangers coexist with great possibilities for positive change. Mm -hmm. And they exist in the same moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I often get asked, how do I continue to go on? I say, you'd be surprised what you can do when your back is against the wall. Yeah. How much power you have, how much energy you have to push forward because your back is against the wall. You have nowhere else to go but forward. And that's what I tell people when they ask me, how do I keep doing this in the midst of all that I have endured? And I tell them, it's it's not me. It is the force of God that is pushing me forward to show everybody that, hey, this injustice is happening. And so we cannot allow it to happen. We have to change it. I would be really pessimistic if we had this level of injustice if we were actually doing our best, mm-hmm. <laughs> that exactly. would be depressing. Exactly. There were so many things that are subject to being mm-hmm. fixed. You know, you and I have talked, I mean, and I really do think that the challenge for any movement when there's this level of moral passion is to translate the moral passion into concrete practical interventions that people can advocate for yes. and do. And, you know, it brings me to one of the things that is so prominent in somebody which is Scoop and Run. Scoop and Run! Come on! Scoop and Run is a program that they have in Philadelphia where uh, I spoke with a guy named Ian Hurst Hermans. And uh, basically, he was shot and he was picked up by the cops, taken immediately to the hospital within five minutes. That saved his life. That is a policy. It is not a law in uh, Philly. It is a policy and is something that the police have decided to enact to save lives. And so I thought about proposing that same type of uh, legislation here in Chicago. And I've been working with my uh, state representative in regards to getting that funded and actually put into effect. If Scoop and Run is implemented in the Chicagoland area in Illinois, it has to be a law. It can't be a discretion of the police because, unfortunately, they don't have that uh, rapport with citizens and they're picking and choosing. They're picking to see, just like with Courtney, they they pick to choose who they want to help and who they don't. We know if Courtney had been a, a young white man, he would have been rushed to the hospital. But because he was a black man, they took their time. You know, there's there's talk, including in this city, about really aggressive community policing. So more and more interactions, hopefully positive interactions between police and citizens. I'm actually not sure that's the direction to go. I think it would be healthier to think about the limits of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I've been in situations you may have, when you need a police officer, you need a police officer. So there's a certain area where the police perform a critical function that no other institution can, mm-hmm. can perform. 
we've asked them almost by default to do all sorts of things they're, they're not equipped to do. So I think, you know, kind of pulling in the boundaries around law enforcement and defining what it is that, you know, police uniquely are equipped and trained and suitable to do. And then uh, as a community, thinking about other functions that we now have the police performing, however poorly, that are important functions but need to be performed by the community or in, in other ways. And it, it, so it's interesting to talk about scoop and run in that context because it does seem to me that it falls within those limits of law enforcement. Correct. You know, they either they have they get a call because of a, a shooting or are somehow involved. Um, that immediate aftermath and the aftercare, and as you've said, Courtney's one example of countless instances where in the interval between, you know, when somebody hits the ground having been wounded and arrives at a hospital, there could have been such a different outcome if the police saw it as a fundamental part of their role. I think that would alter perceptions of the of the police. Ian even talked about how he had the the officers who saved his life's name tattooed on his body. I mean, he has so much gratitude for them. And I know that had they, my son been saved, that he would have probably done the same thing. Yeah. The police are not the problem. The culture of the police is the yeah. problem. And so you have to begin to dismantle the culture. Yeah. I believe you know, that police are necessary to protect, to protect the citizens. I believe that. But I think that we have to change their culture and mentality, their preconceived notions that they have of black and brown people. That's what needs to change. We need to teach the police differently. I think there's also a perspective on systems mm -hmm. and the way systems interact with cultures. Right. We spend a lot of time allocating blame to individuals. That allocation of individual blame has been absolutely necessary and important. None of it changed systems. No. The conviction of Jason Van Dyke, I don't think it makes the next police shooting an iota less likely. The good cops feel trapped and they feel obligated to align themselves with the bad ones. And that's what I talk about the culture. That's what really needs to change. Yeah. And it has to come from the leadership. Everything that happened to Courtney, yes, it was wrong, but it was absolutely legal. Yeah. How atrocious is that? I think what's so powerful about Courtney's story and the way you tell it in somebody is it really is about the system. It's not a story with an evil villain mm -hmm. that explains mm -hmm. an act of you know, just indescribable cruelty like the um, the knee on Floyd's neck or the shooting of Laquan McDonald as he as he walked away. You know, those are acts of, of individual cruelty that, I mean, you, you don't need to know the officer to be able to describe those as acts of, of personal evil just on the basis of the act itself. Um, what happened to Courtney, in, in my understanding of it, as, as you've shared the story, has so much more to do with systems and cultures and expectations. 
And I think that's our challenge. You know, when we think about what happened to George Floyd, you know, it was hard for me to watch that video. It was just like so painful as a mom to hear him cry out for his mom. And I and I and I sat and I thought about it and I was like, that's what my son was doing. I know he was calling yeah. for me, even though we didn't have any audio. You could see that he was begging for help. And I know he was wanting me to be there by his side. And it was just like you have all these people around him. And that's what's so hard when we talk about the culture. I think that the uh, Chicago Police Department needs to put that empathy back in that force. Yeah. Because if that was their child, if yeah. that was their child yeah. that they saw lying on the ground begging for help and they don't respond, yeah. we, can't, we can't allow our police force to not have feelings. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing them not have feelings. We're seeing them prejudge. We're seeing them uh, listen to the negative connotation about black and brown people and running with it. And those are the things that we need to change. And we need to translate that into effective policy. And Scoop and Run would be something that will not only help save lives, but also build rapport between the community and the police. I completely understand the focus on police shootings and police police murders, and it happens far, far too much. But in the larger scheme of things, it doesn't happen that often compared to all the other interactions that devalue black citizens in which they aren't seen or in which they're seen in light of preconceptions um, and not realities. You know, that's where the discourse needs to ultimately go. And th those things aren't trivial. Those small interactions, you know, some act of disregard, disrespect, not seeing, as you say, that the police officer may have forgotten about within 10 minutes. It stays with them and it changes. Can leave an indelible, and, and especially, with, especially with young people. Yes. I think what's interesting working with young people around these issues is they're forming their understanding of the world. It's like the molecules mm -hmm. are moving around. And you can actually watch the formation of of their attitudes mm -hmm. and it's often some um you know dismissive word or just all these ways of showing a lack of regard and and we're you know one of the things we're doing at the invisible institute you know our basic mission is to help citizens hold yes police accountable police and public institutions accountable is we're really encouraging people, you know, in Chicago to get in touch with us with any information about individual police officers using excessive force. You know, CPDP, our um, database of police disciplinary information, is widely being used as a resource by people yes. to check the, um, the disciplinary histories mm -hmm. of particular officers. So I think that's also a power that we have collectively to monitor police performance. That also tells the police, hey, you're being watched. Yeah. That there is somebody else that's going to hold you accountable. And I think that's part of the challenge for all of us if we're going to realize this extraordinary opportunity we have is going to be not to dehumanize each other mm -hmm. in the process. And I think that's always the extraordinary thing about nonviolence when it's mm -hmm. practiced. Well, it's definitely been enlightening as well as educational as always to sit with you, Mr. Calvin, and to actually just to 
unpack the last couple of weeks in Chicago. I think that what we're seeing is something that's beautiful, yet painful, but I think that it has a way of translating into something that's going to be really great for this country. I agree. And I I feel my heart is full at the moment, just having this opportunity with you to, to debrief and to kind of compare notes. And I hope we can do it again sometime soon because things are moving so fast. It feels like almost we wake up in a new world every day. Yes, yes. So uh, let's make a day to do it again soon. Yes. We're going to have to break more bread and have more dinners and everything once coronavirus is gone. <laughs> Fair enough. Looking forward to it. Yes, me too. Everybody, somebody's every day. Nobody's nothing. This bonus episode of Somebody was produced by Bill Healy, Sarah Geis, and Allison Flowers. Special thanks to Bart Warshaw. Follow the Invisible Institute at at I-N-V-I-N-S-T on Twitter. And follow me at Shapiro. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. 
Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.